Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. In the 1560s, the Royal Scottish Court was lively and decadent. Like most Renaissance monarchs, Mary, Queen of Scots, funneled money into the arts, and poets and musicians roamed her palace to entertain the nobility. Mary routinely threw giant parties full of lavish, multi-course feasts followed by grand dances. The queen herself was a particularly skilled dancer, a fact that shocked her more conservative subjects. But behind the scenes, things weren't all strictly fun and games. The court was a center of gossip, Rumors and secrets constantly swirled through the royal palace, and no one was immune. Eventually, even Queen Mary and her king, Lord Darnley, found themselves caught up in the whirlwind of drama within the court. But unfortunately for them, it wasn't just more gossip about the queen's dancing abilities. Lord Darnley had stumbled into the center of a power struggle that threatened to rock the entire royal court of Scotland until it ended in the young king's bloody, explosive death. This is Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm your host, Carter Roy. And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. Every Tuesday, we dive into the world of a real unsolved murder and try to solve the case. You can find episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our first episode on the murder of Lord Darnley. This week, we'll examine the events leading up to a deadly explosion at the King's residence. Next week, we'll cover the possible suspects in this shocking royal murder. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Ladies, your workouts are about to get an upgrade. The new Inspire leggings by Kalia are exactly what you want when it comes to activewear. It's their most versatile collection yet. They look good, feel good, and stay put. Using Lycra Adaptive Fiber, it compresses and molds to the body like a second skin. And it's unbelievably stretchy, so you can move however you want. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. (laughs) 
Lord Darnley of Lennox was born on December 7, 1545, near Leeds, England. He was delivered in Temple Newsome, a grandiose residence that had been gifted to his parents by King Henry VIII. Darnley's father was the Earl of Lennox, a descendant of a Scottish king. His mother, Countess of Lennox, was the granddaughter of England's King Henry VII. Through these bloodlines, the newborn Darnley had a tenuous claim on both the Scottish and English crowns, and his parents made sure he took advantage of it. Even as a child, Darnley's parents molded their eldest son into the perfect candidate to lead the monarchy. First, they gave him the finest Renaissance education money could buy. Then, they did their best to get on good terms with the current Queen of England, Mary I, in hopes that the childless queen would name Darnley as her successor. But their hopes were dashed in 1558, when Mary I died without naming an heir. The queen's half-sister, Elizabeth I, took the throne instead. Queen Elizabeth was immediately wary of Darnley's parents. She knew that they had maneuvered for her throne and didn't want anything to do with them. So, seeing no future with the new Queen of England, the Lennoxes instead sought to find Darnley a royal position in Scotland. In 1559, Darnley's parents sent their 13-year-old son to France to speak to Mary, Queen of Scots. The young queen, herself only 16, had recently married the King of France. Lord Darnley, I assume? Come in. Closer. Don't be shy. Well, don't you have anything to say? No. A letter for me. Let's see. Ugh, from your parents. Oh, they really shouldn't send a child for such serious matters. Listen, you can tell the Earl that if he wanted to keep his Scottish lands, he shouldn't have abandoned us for England. Thank you for your visit, Lord Darnley. It's always nice to meet a fellow Scotsman like yourself. Knowing that his parents were using him as a pawn to gain a foothold in Scotland, Mary sent Darnley away. When Darnley's parents heard that their political maneuvering in Scotland had failed, they sent Darnley off to France to continue his studies, and Darnley fit right in. The teenager proved himself to be an excellent student, and quickly learned how to read and write in both Latin and French. Outside of the classroom, he was an exceptional lute player, dancer, and poet. And he excelled in a wide array of sports, from tennis to horseback riding to fencing. But that wasn't the only thing Lord Darnley had going for him. As one of his acquaintances reportedly put it, Lord Darnley is the most handsome of our time. And he wasn't just handsome, he was tall. The six-foot-two-inch Darnley towered over most men at the time. Just about everyone who met Darnley was immediately drawn to the teenager, but Lord Darnley had a darker side that he rarely revealed. Lord Darnley had been told since childhood that he was destined to be royalty, and he acted like it. He was immature and petulant with a quick temper. Darnley was used to having his way, and if he didn't get it, there was hell to pay. But above all, Darnley always knew how to turn on his charm when he needed to. And that's exactly what he did in February of 1561 
when the 15-year-old once again headed off to meet with Mary, Queen of Scots. The young queen's husband, King Francis II, had died two months earlier. Mary had just emerged from the customary 40 days of seclusion and mourning. Darnley's parents sent him there to give his condolences, but he gave more than that. Your Highness, I've come to offer my sympathies and those of my parents. A young gentleman like yourself should not worry about a grieving widow. I fear I am quite unsightly in this funeral attire. I would strongly disagree if it weren't rude. I'm of the opinion that no clothes could hide a beauty such as yours. Thank you. You are far too kind. It is not only my pleasure, but my privilege. I would love nothing more than to keep you company for many years to come. (laughs) You certainly learned to talk since your last visit, Lord Darnley. This was all part of Darnley's parents' plan. They hoped that their son could catch the eye of the newly widowed queen. A marriage between the two might finally put the Lennox family on a throne. Of course, the English queen, Elizabeth I, still held her grudge against the Lennoxes, so the family tried to keep Darnley's visit a secret. Unfortunately for them, the Queen of England had spies everywhere, and when she found out about Darnley's visit, she was furious. And it turned out their scheme was all for nothing, because Mary already had her sights on another suitor. Mary was no longer the Queen of France following her husband's death, but she could keep her power by marrying another powerful monarch, Don Carlos, the Prince of Spain. But her romance with Don Carlos didn't last. When that marriage plan fell through, the Lennox family once again leapt to set Mary up with Lord Darnley. But before they could, Queen Elizabeth heard about what they were doing. She immediately called for the arrest of Darnley's father, the Earl of Lennox, and locked him in the Tower of London. But the Lennox family never let themselves lose touch with royal power for long. Over time, the Lennoxes won back the Queen's favor little by little, and when 19-year-old Lord Darnley visited 22-year-old Mary in Scotland in early 1565, he had Queen Elizabeth's blessing. And the pair hit it off. Well, how was the visit today with Lord Darnley? You welcomed the young lord quite warmly. I have to say, I was rather caught off guard. Did he do something? Not at all. I was not expecting that young boy to have become such a handsome man. His parents mean to make a match of you two. That is obvious to everyone in the court, but I will admit it is rare to find a suitor who is taller than I. That I like. The queen herself was almost six feet tall, so Darnley's height was an added bonus. Mary quickly invited him to stay with her in Edinburgh. But the Protestant lords in Scotland were unhappy to hear about Lord Darnley's appearance in the royal palace. Darnley had been raised Roman Catholic, and they weren't excited about the prospect of a Catholic king. To appease them, Darnley attended a Protestant church while in Edinburgh. He also attended private Catholic Mass with Queen Mary. In truth, Lord Darnley was indifferent to religion. He practiced whatever faith would win over the most people. 
and Lord Darnley won over just about everyone in Mary's court, especially Mary herself. The pair began spending most days together, riding and hunting. In the evenings, they'd sit together playing cards. Darnley also made friends with David Rizzio, the Queen's personal secretary and closest ally. He wanted to be sure that Rizzio would put in a good word for him if he proposed, and it worked. When Darnley asked for Mary's hand in marriage in February of 1565, Rizzio was right there, encouraging her to say yes. But Mary wasn't one to be pressured by her advisors. She preferred to make her own decisions, and she wasn't ready to take Darnley up on his proposal, at least not yet. An illness would finally change the Queen's mind. On April 5th, 1565, Lord Darnley came down with a terrible bout of the measles. Queen Mary took it upon herself to care for him. And as she nursed the sickly man back to health, her feelings towards him grew. (coughs) Soon the Queen found herself falling in love with Darnley. Darnley, on the other hand, regarded Mary more as a tool than a partner. She was just another step on his lifelong path towards royalty, but Mary was blissfully unaware of Darnley's true feelings. A few weeks after Darnley's illness, Mary sent word to Queen Elizabeth in London that she intended to marry the young man. Mary thought Elizabeth would be happy with the news, but Mary was wrong. Queen Elizabeth was livid. How dare Lord Darnley, one of my own subjects, propose a marriage without my consultation? You there, write this down. This marriage would be unmeet, unprofitable, and perilous to the amity between the queens. I absolutely forbid it. But once again, Mary was determined to make her own choice. She agreed to the proposal, and the pair scheduled a wedding for July 29, 1565. But unfortunately, their relationship would only last a few months before the newlyweds started to despise each other. Next, we'll explore the couple's doomed marriage. The internet. What would we do without it? So much information, so little time. And yet, with all the answers available online, there still lie scores of deep, dark, spooky secrets. Mysteries yet to be solved until now. This isn't clickbait. This is our exclusive new podcast, Internet Urban Legends. I'm Loie, your evidence expert. And I'm Eleanor, the self-proclaimed skeptic. Together, we're the gruesome twosome, sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web. Every Tuesday, we investigate the internet's creepiest conundrums, covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt. Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, blank room soup, or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths, or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo challenge. Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us? Follow our new Spotify original from Parcast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, back to our story. In the weeks leading up to his 1565 wedding, 19-year-old Lord Darnley started showing his true colors. He was moody, stubborn, and occasionally violent. One day, he threatened one of Mary's advisors. Darnley was only happy when he was in control, but his soon-to-be wife wouldn't let herself be pushed around. Darnley's greatest desire was to be given the crown matrimonial. This meant that if Mary were to die childless, Darnley would remain king. But Mary refused to give him the honor, saying he was too young and that the title had to be given with Parliament's approval. Darnley didn't like that. I demand you give me the crown matrimonial. It's my right. What does it matter? You'll be king as long as I'm alive beside you. And I'm planning for us to have a long and lovely life together, aren't you? But Queen Mary didn't let this new side of Darnley change her mind about marriage. And so, in the early morning of July 29, 1565, Lord Darnley put on a glamorous outfit studded with jewels and stood next to Mary, Queen of Scots, in the royal chapel. Darnley placed three rings on Mary's finger to represent the Holy Trinity and then kissed his new wife. Finally, they were married. The celebration, full of feasts and dancing, stretched over three days. Unfortunately, the honeymoon didn't last much longer. Protestant lords feared that the queen's marriage to a Catholic put their religion in jeopardy, so the Earl of Moray and the other lords raised troops to violently protest the marriage. These rebel forces clashed with the Queen's army for two months during the summer of 1565, before Moray finally admitted defeat and fled to England. And that was just the start of the couple's troubles. When Mary returned to the royal palace in Edinburgh in October, her relationship with Darnley quickly deteriorated. Darnley made nightly visits to the town's brothels and bars, and didn't bother to hide it. He even got a woman in Mary's court pregnant. It was obvious to Mary that Darnley didn't care about her. He only wanted the power that she represented. And not only was Darnley a bad husband, he was a bad king. Mary tried to include Darnley in government matters, but he was simply not interested. He refused to attend meetings, so documents that required his signature were often delayed. It became so bad that Mary made a stamp of Darnley's signature just to keep the government moving. The marriage was less than a year old, and it had already fallen apart. But then Mary came to Darnley with news that changed everything. I am quite surprised you've come. It seems the king hardly visits with the queen any longer. Am I even a king to you? Our marriage was months ago and you still refuse me the crown matrimonial. I already told you. You are too young. 
In time, you will prove yourself worthy of such an honor. Prove myself? What more proof do you need? This is no way to speak to the mother of your child! My what? I'm pregnant. Perhaps you will treat me better knowing that. Despite the big news, Darnley was still resentful of Mary, and not only because of the crown matrimonial. He was also upset that the queen was spending more and more time with her secretary, David Rizzio. Darnley even began to suspect that his new wife was sleeping with her advisor, and that maybe that the queen's unborn baby wasn't even his. Darnley wanted Rizzio dead, and he wasn't the only one. The Protestant lords, including the Earl of Moray, disliked that a Catholic like Rizzio seemed to have such undue influence on the Queen. Scotland had recently strengthened its ties to Catholic kingdoms like Spain and France, and even with the Pope. They blamed it all on Rizzio. So in February of 1566, the Protestant lords began outlining a plot to kill Rizzio. And then they set up a meeting with Darnley to see if they could form an unlikely union. The Queen spends so much time with Rizzio. You must be haunted by questions. Why? What have you heard? Just some troublesome rumors. But we may have a solution. One to rid you of Rizzio, if you'd be willing to join the cause. Hmm. If you want my help in the matter, it comes with a price. The crown matrimonial. <laughs> that can be arranged. With that, it was settled. The first step of their plan was to kill Rizzio. Then, Mary would be imprisoned until she gave birth to her child. Finally, Darnley would be granted the crown matrimonial which he would use to pardon Moray and the other exiled lords. And then, Protestantism would become Scotland's official religion. But Darnley still wasn't satisfied. He had one more request, something so violent it shocked even the lords. Darnley insisted that Rizzio be executed in front of the queen, inside her own chambers. If the shock killed her or her unborn child... So be it. On March 9th, 1556, Darnley played tennis with Rizzio as if they were still friends. Then, the pair split up and Rizzio headed to the Queen's quarters to have dinner with her and a few close friends. But halfway through the meal, Darnley unexpectedly burst inside. A Protestant lord named Riven quickly followed, wearing full body armor. Your Majesty... Hand over Rizzio. Why? What has he done? He has offended your honor and the honor of Scotland. He must be dealt with accordingly. My king, do you know what he speaks of? Do what he says. Sir, leave at once or I will charge you with treason. Stay back! Lord Riven pulled out a dagger and lunged at Rizzio. He missed and almost dug the blade into Mary herself. Riven was outnumbered. But just a few moments later, more armed lords stormed into the chambers. Riven pushed Mary out of the way, telling Darnley to keep hold of her. In the mayhem, a chair was rammed into Mary's pregnant stomach, 
but Darnley did not seem to care. The lords grabbed Rizzio. In the commotion, someone knocked over the dining table, and nearly every candle in the room went out. In the darkness, Rizzio begged for his life. The men stabbed Rizzio once in front of the queen, and then dragged him bleeding into the hallway. There, the lords surrounded him and viciously drove their blades into his body 56 times until they were sure that he was dead. Finally, the lords embedded Darnley's dagger in the bloody corpse to send the message that the king had approved of the death. Back inside Mary's chambers, Darnley was left alone with the furious and confused queen. Let go of me! What is this, Darnley? What have you done? Rizzio besmirched my honor in more ways than one. He did nothing! You've fallen for their lies! He's enjoyed more of your company in the last six months than I have as your husband. He has offended both me and you! You're the one who has offended me, and the entire royal court! You may still be the king, but you are no longer my husband. When the lords returned, they told Mary that she was under arrest. Armored men stood outside her bedroom and guarded every exit. Darnley was happy to see the plan falling into place, but the more he spoke to Riven and the other lords, the more he realized that they had no intention of treating him like a leader. The lords were only interested in blaming him for the crime. Angry, Darnley realized he'd made a mistake, so he went crawling back to the queen. Is this some kind of cruel joke? No, I promise you. Apologies for this bloody business. My allegiance is with you, my queen. It's far too late for that, Lord Darnley. Guards! But when Darnley visited Mary again the next morning, she was in a very different mood. The queen had spent the night thinking about ways to escape her new prison, and as far as she could tell, her only way out was with Darnley at her side. During the chaos in the castle the night before, one of Mary's close friends, the Earl of Bothwell, escaped out a back window. He left word with one of the Queen's ladies that he'd be back to rescue her, but Mary knew that if she really wanted her freedom, she would need to get it herself. So she grabbed Darnley and explained her plan. She convinced Darnley to keep up appearances with the Lords. When the time was right, she told him, she would pretend to go into labor. Finally, she sent word to Bothwell to meet her in the town of Seton the next evening. And so, when the time came... Mary began to writhe in pain. By all appearances, it seemed as if she were about to give birth. Darnley told the lords that Mary was prepared to pardon them, but it would have to wait until after the baby was born. She couldn't possibly sign any papers at the moment. He asked the lords to remove most of Mary's guards because they would put too much stress on the queen during childbirth. The lords tentatively agreed since it seemed like they had won. The paperwork for their pardons was nearly complete. It was almost midnight when Mary and Darnley snuck down the rear staircase, slipped through the service chambers, and crawled out of the wine chamber into the night air. 
the Queen's plan had worked. She was free. Now they just had to travel to Seton undetected. The pair quietly rode horses through the streets of Edinburgh until they reached the countryside. They cantered the entire ten miles to Seton. But Darnley was terrified when he saw a group of men blocking the road ahead. He was sure they'd be caught. Oh no! Hurry! Hurry! They will kill us if they catch us! Darnley, please, slow down. I can't go faster in my state. Come on! If this baby dies, we'll just have another. Then go ahead. Take care of yourself. The queen watched as her husband rode ahead, leaving her behind. Once again, Darnley had proven how little he cared for her or their unborn child. And to make the situation even worse, it was all for nothing. Darnley quickly discovered that the horsemen up ahead were not enemies. It was Bothwell and his men waiting to meet them. The small group of allies escorted the queen and king to the fortified castle of Dunbar. Somehow, the queen managed to still be in good spirits once they finally arrived. She even cooked eggs for the men who had helped her. Her mind was already focused on how to get revenge on the traitors who had tried to imprison her. And the biggest traitor of all, her husband, the king. Next, we'll examine the events leading up to Darnley's explosive demise. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. So you need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person, and I appreciate you, and I know exactly what you like, all at the same time. Well, Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And now, back to the story. By March of 1566, 23-year-old Mary, Queen of Scots, and her 20-year-old husband, Lord Darnley, were holed up in Castle Dunbar, a medieval fortress on the icy northern sea. The Queen had just escaped a plot to take her throne, and she was already ready for payback. With the help from the Earl of Bothwell, Mary began to rally her allies for a march on Edinburgh. And as it turned out, there were plenty of people who were willing to go to war for her right to the throne. By March 17th, she had built an army of over 8,000. The Protestant lords had nothing close to those numbers. So when they heard about Mary's large battalion, 
they folded almost immediately. They deserted Edinburgh and fled to England before the troops could even arrive. A day later, Mary returned to Edinburgh victorious. She had taken Scotland back without a drop of blood shed. The Queen's first order of business was tightening security. She then sought punishment for anyone involved in David Rizzio's murder. Over 60 traitors were outlawed from stepping foot in Scotland. Darnley himself made sure that two men who had been involved in the conspiracy were put to death to set an example to others who may betray his queen. Ironic, since Darnley was the biggest traitor of them all. Mary hadn't forgotten his betrayal, but she continued to keep up the charade of a happy marriage. The queen was about to give birth. She needed the king to confirm his parentage. On June 18, 1566, Mary went into labor, and she wasn't faking it this time. After 20 difficult hours, she finally gave birth to her son, James. May I see the child? Of course, my lord. God has given us a son. Yes, my lady. I proclaim to all in this room, he is your son. This is the son who will unite the kingdoms of Scotland and England. Before his own parents? I fear so. You have broken from me. You said you would forgive and forget all. I have forgiven, but I will not forget. As soon as Darnley acknowledged the child as his, Mary stopped pretending to care about the king. Her charade was finally over, and Darnley knew it. With Mary and the royal court finally turning against him, Darnley threw a fit. He threatened to leave Scotland altogether, but Mary couldn't risk having her husband abroad. She knew he was too dangerous to be left alone. And in November of 1566, Mary got all the proof she needed. She found out that Darnley had secretly been sending letters to the King of France, the King of Spain, and the Pope, falsely claiming that Mary was not as devout a Catholic as he was. With their support, Darnley wrote, he could take over and make Scotland a true Catholic country. Mary put an end to that, but Darnley just kept trying to undermine her. In early December, he refused to attend his son's baptism, a move that could call into question the paternity of the prince. That was the last straw. Mary knew that something had to be done, and she wasn't the only one fed up with the king. The Scottish lords, including her old Protestant enemies, felt exactly the same. Around December 5th, the lords held a meeting to discuss what to do about Darnley. Finally, they agreed to a plan. The lords would help unseat the king, but only if Mary pardoned the rest of the exiled Protestant lords. The Earl of Bothwell brought a plan to the queen the next day. The king must be dealt with. All the lords are ready. I agree, but only if it is done lawfully. I do not want my son's honor tarnished. I myself was able to become an earl despite my parents' divorce. The prince will be able to do the same. You know my Catholic faith does not allow divorce. Well, we will find another way then, my lady. 
I won't have you do anything that could come back to haunt my child. I can suffer through Darnley for his sake. The Queen wanted nothing to do with Darnley's murder, at least for now. On December 17, 1566, Prince James was baptized with full Catholic rites. His father, the King, was noticeably absent. A few days later, the Queen pardoned the exiled Protestant lords, likely as a way to punish Darnley. The lords were still angry at Darnley for turning on them during their attempted rebellion, and they were ready for revenge. When Darnley found out that the lords were returning to Scotland, he quickly made plans to flee the country by ship. But before he could, Darnley came down with a terrible illness. (coughs) On a trip to Glasgow... Darnley caught what turned out to be a bad case of syphilis. He was covered in a horrible rash, and his hair began to fall out. He was too sick to leave Scotland or even return home to Edinburgh. And as Darnley struggled to recover in Glasgow, the Lord's plot to get revenge was gaining more and more supporters, even though the Queen herself still hadn't officially signed on. Darnley gave Mary plenty of reasons to, however... In the beginning of 1567, Mary discovered that Darnley had once again started hatching plans to kick her off the throne and lead Scotland himself. So Mary traveled to Glasgow to visit the ailing king. You weren't really trying to escape by sea, were you? Tell me that was just a rumor. (laughs) Well, I have plenty of reasons to go. Look at how they treat a king in this country. But I don't have the money to support myself abroad. Regardless, you've seen to that. I also heard you had some sort of scheme to replace me on the throne. Oh, that? Another rumor. And while we're on the subject, I heard whispers of a plot to kill me. But I know there wasn't truth to it. Because you couldn't hurt me. I'm your own flesh. Isn't that right? Of course. Mary knew that Darnley was lying about his plan to overthrow her. But she didn't know what to do. She had considered divorcing him or trying to annul their marriage, but both options would threaten her son's status as a prince. There was no clear path out of the relationship, so Mary did the only thing that she could. She asked Darnley to return to Edinburgh with her once he was well enough to travel. The Queen and King eventually arrived back in Edinburgh, Darnley chose to stay at Kirkafield, a complex of buildings near the royal palace, until he was fully healed. But as it turned out, Darnley would never leave the place alive. Over the next few weeks, Mary did her best to repair things with the king. She visited him at Kirkafield every day and sometimes slept over in a bedroom next to Darnley. By the time February came around, It seemed like their relationship was healing right alongside the king himself. On February 9th, 1567, Darnley received his final medical treatment. Mary visited with him all day, but left that evening for a wedding celebration. The king begged her to stay through the night, but Mary turned him down and left with the Earl of Bothwell. Left on his own, the king had a few drinks, sang some songs with his servants, and promptly fell asleep. 
But around 2 a.m. that night, a local woman staying near Kirkerfield was startled awake by a group of armored men passing by her cottage. A few moments later, she heard a faint yell inside the king's residence. Please, no. Pity me. For the love of God. The screams were quickly drowned out by a louder sound. A massive explosion rocked Edinburgh. Local townspeople raced outside and were shocked by what they found. The king's residence was replaced by a massive pile of rubble. Men quickly pulled away chunks of rock, searching for survivors. They found a few of the king's servants, shaken but alive. There was no sign of the king, though. After a few hours of digging through the rubble, a few people left the wreckage to search the rest of the grounds. And as they walked into a nearby orchard, they stumbled across a grisly sight. The king's broken and bloody body lay crumpled on the ground. The corpse of his valet was nearby. The pair were nearly naked, dressed only in their nightshirts. Even in the dim moonlight, it was clear that the king was dead. Over the next few weeks, rumors and suspicions about his murder would spread quickly across Scotland. But ultimately, there was only one person who would pay the price for Darnley's death, Mary, Queen of Scots, herself. Thanks again for tuning in to Unsolved Murders. We'll be back next Tuesday with part two of Lord Darnley. You can find all episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. If we live till next time. Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Unsolved Murders was written by Matt Hartman with writing assistance by River Donahue and Giles Hofseth. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlean and research by Mickey Taylor. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Kai Jordan, Rebecca Thomas, Laura Faye Smith, and Dan Velasquez. Unsolved Murder stars Wendy McKenzie and Carter Roy. 